0: Wow, thank you, Lord God. God is good, isn't he? Isn't he good? It's good to be together. It's good to gather as his family, isn't it? And I'm just thankful and grateful to be together and just to be the church. It's a good thing. The Bible says when one another dwells together, right? Depending on your translation, when we dwell together, when we're together. In fact, the Bible says, accord together. Of three strands is not easily broken there's a oneness there's a togetherness that god has desired and when we join together bible says it only takes three and now we see that as two people and christ that's just the way i've seen it because it talks about it as a, a marriage bond as well comparing it i usually use that in my marriage sermons because it's the husband and the wife and christ really only takes two right where two or more are gathered together there i'm in the midst of them so I always see that third strand is Jesus Himself. So it only takes two, even just gathering with one other person, iron sharpening iron. So we're just grateful that God has called us together, called this church together. Amen. We'll get right into his word. Uh, last week I named the I named the sermon The Devil's in the details because that's where he hangs. That's his world. The, the, the world today is trying to distract us tried to remove our identity because you know it is details god's a detail god as you know that so where the devil's going to attack is the details you know the world just says well we all serve the same god doesn't matter if it's mohammed doesn't matter matter if it's you know the jewish god doesn't matter if it's christ and they so we said we'll call it chrislam we'll just put christianity and and Islam and Judaism together and forget the details. Forget the details that Jesus said, No one comes to the Father except through me. So the devil's gonna come after the details. That's where he's after in your life. It's so easy to breeze over the main points in the word and forget the little subtle things and that's where he is, and and so I'm going to pick up right here, because that's where I left off last week, that Satan came, and he tempted Eve with the details. Everybody say, with the details. He came, and he tricked her. What he was able to get her to do was to forget what God said, and she began to debate within herself, based on what she thought and what she felt and what she saw. Now, God did not make his word confusing. I want to break that. People say, I can't understand the word. No, you don't read the word. I can't understand it. That's like saying, I don't understand Spanish, when you don't speak it. Well, you have to learn it to be able to speak it. Does that make sense? And the Bible has a language. You just don't understand it yet. If you actually would start to read it, you would start to learn it, and then you would know it. Does that make sense? But so the devil just wants to keep people. I don't understand it. Who understands things you didn't understand as a baby Christian? Right, is anybody in here? Right? Who understands something today? Who's had a fresh revelation this week, and you've read it your whole life? We have those all the time, and you should be having those all the time. If you don't have any more revelation, then it's time to start reading your Bible another hour a day. Because there should be more revelations. We should be having revelation upon revelation. That's how it is in God. I'm not talking about something extra biblical. I'm talking about the Bible unfolding it another way, in a greater way. Now, he did not make it confusing. He simply said, God's just said, don't. Listen, ready? Don't eat the fruit of that tree. You know, what we do as non-Christians and Christians is we justify. The way someone said to me once, you know, with enough thinking, you could justify pretty much anything, to do anything. Enough time to figure it out in your mind, and you could literally justify anything. God made it simple, and we make it complicated, and there's only one reason we make it complicated. We don't want to do what God said to do. It's that simple. And what I want to really major on today is this. It says in Genesis, it says in Genesis chapter 3, it says that she saw, everybody say she saw, so she looked with her human eyes, And she saw, she saw, she saw, she saw I know there's a tongue twister that uses those words. It's hard to say. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked, so it looked delicious. And she wanted, so she saw, it looked, she wanted. So she wanted the wisdom it would give her. Isn't it amazing? She already said to Satan, and I talked about it last week. We're not going gonna to move on from that point. You can listen to last week's sermon on the podcast. But she got into this argument with Satan. And don't argue with Satan. You don't need to have arguments with Satan. You are wasting your time. He is going to outwit you and outsmart you every time. Because as soon as you get into an argument with him, you're in the flesh. You just speak the word. This is what God said. And that's it. End of story. End of story. That's what Jesus did. Remember, Satan came to him. Jesus quotes the word. Satan goes, oh, you know the word. I know the word too. Satan quotes the word back to Jesus, try to trick him. Jesus just quotes the word again. You quote one scripture to me, let me bring that scripture into full context. Right? Come on. Satan's like, oh, Christians, oh, you know the word, so I'll just quote a scripture to you. You know, they say things like this. You ready? You know, the Bible says, eat, drink, and be happy. Well, let's bring some context to that. You're right. That's a scripture. But Solomon was not a very good Christian at that time when he wrote those words. That was not God's heart. That was Solomon's fallen state heart. Let's bring some context. Let's also bring the rest of the word together, right? So it is the entire word. This is why we cannot be pick-and-choose, cut-and-paste Christians, you go that route, the devil's like, okay, you want to be a word-believing Christian? I'll just get you to believe part of it and not all of it. And that's what he did. He got her into this argument of which tree, some of the trees, this tree, that tree, instead of just said, don't, don't eat the fruit of that tree. It was very simple, very, very simple. Became complicated because she got into her impulses, and once he got her there, now she's, she's in, his, in his web like a spider You know, as soon as you get caught, maybe he hasn't eaten you yet, but you're caught. And that's it. Just a matter of time, he's going to start winding you up. And that's what happened here. The Bible says in James, let's look in the Word here. The Bible says in the book of James, chapter 1, so I want to take it from here, that this is really where God is after us in this hour, because I've been preaching a lot, but I feel like I need to keep saying it like a broken record, because God's Word is a broken record, as you know that. Does anybody feel like God's Word is a broken record? I've said it before. It's a big book, and it takes like a year to read it you had a, at a decent pace. You could speed read it and read it in a few months. Dawn reads it twice a year, so it takes her six months, and she's going through a lot more than the average person, right? And it still takes six months to really go through it, even on a faster pace. It's a big book, but it says the same exact thing from Genesis to Revelation. Who has noticed that? There's one story. All all the different characters within that story, but it's the same thing. I'm God. I love you. There's a devil who hates you. Listen to me, you win. Listen to him, you die. That's it. That's the whole story. So I feel like I'm okay being a broken record here. Because that's what the word is. We need that. And what I feel like we need to, to really get is that time is short. We were just saying this this morning too. Time is ticking, and there is a brand new agenda. Literally, I'm using that word on purpose. There is a brand new strategy that has only happened, it has been in the works for a long time, but it has been implemented in just in my lifetime. It has taken 2,000 years to implement this strategy, and it is... To remove the word of God from the world It has lasted for all this time Now there were If you were to ask someone in the 1950s If you were to say God bless you when they sneeze And you were to ask them Which God did you mean There was no confusion It was just known You talked about God We're talking about the same God Now today you say God You're like which God I'm God That was the beginning, and then it was like, okay, well, we can't get Christians somehow to stop being Christians, even though we brought all these other religions in. We brought all the idols into Israel. If you look at America as Israel, a place that God set apart and and made special, and he really did, well, what was the the enemy's strategy? Just look at it. He brought the other gods, brought the other, other idols, and brought the worship in, and brought confusion. That's what happened. It's the same exact thing here for America. The same exact thing. Well, what happened is, if you go through the history of it, eventually the word was lost. That's why who loves Josiah? Because I, I love his story because he's this young boy, but he found the word. And when he found it, he was like, he tears his clothes. That's what they did in shock and horror. It was a way to show God, like, I can't believe that we have not, we didn't know, we didn't listen to you. And he tears his clothes in shock and horror because They found the word again. So the history is after a while, you bring all these foreign things in, you bring all these other idols in, you bring all these gods, it brings such a confusion that just go down the timeline, history repeats itself, it eventually just disappears. We can see it today because as a Christian, you're not free to stand on a a corner and preach the Bible anymore. There once was a day you might have been a weirdo. Now it's hate speech. Come on, right? Nobody necessarily wanted to do that job, but you were just the weird guy on the corner preaching the word. Today, it's hate speech. Jail time. Unless I keep it very generic. And that's because the devil's after the details. It's because he's trying to get us to be so confused, so so distracted by this world. If he can't get us there, then he's gonna get us to, you know, we're still Christians, we want to follow God, to get us so confused about what that means and what that is. But if we just stick to the manual, if we just stick to the word through time, it would be it what's happening now, it's so strange. Who's ever heard of the flat earthers? Anybody? Okay, there is I know I'm laughing. I can't even say it without laughing. There are a group of people, and a lot of Christians, who are firmly believe that the Earth is flat. If you've never heard this before, this is true. There is a literally Flat Earthers Club. Okay, just Google it, and they believe that the Earth is flat. That it's it's a big, it's a it's a circle still, but it's flat. All right, it's a flat circle, like just a disc floating in. Something. I don't know what it floats in. And so they have all these reasons and theories and all this other, you know, like, you know, well, we need to, you know, this is what the, the Bible says. God sits above the circle of the earth. Well, it's flat, but it's still a circle. And so they try to create, like, we have to now, well, what about this? And what about that? And we go through the word, and then they have to, like, create ways to make the word and the theories fit together instead of it's also there's another group of Christians that says well I believe in God but I also believe in evolution because I just can't wrap my head around the fact that God designed everything within six days and rested on the seventh now you've heard me say this before I don't think God needed seven milliseconds with how intricate and incredible we are what is time I don't think God needed any time to make us. I think the only reason he even says seven days is so that we understand it. And he's like, I only wrote seven days down so you could actually, like, put your head around it. Now you want to make it seven trillion years. It wasn't even seven days. I just thought it. I just spoke it out of time. How do we call it a day if God's outside of time? And so what we do is we try to recreate and rewrite, more like, well... You know, he said seven days, but what he really meant is like, just like a day is a thousand years, maybe there's like this billion years that's also there. So like five billion, I mean, we come up with all these weird, crazy things because we don't want to just believe the word for what it says. And it's because we have a flesh and we have a spirit. I want you to say this out loud. We are flesh. And we are spirit. And what the devil will do, this is why I bring up the garden so much, because I think it's so pivotal as a Christian. It's not Genesis, Old Testament. It is the key. The place that the devil will come, and he's already got the world there. They're already confused. The Bible calls them hopelessly confused. I may read that verse today. It's been in my notes again. It's been in my notes for weeks. Brought it up some weeks ago. I may come in again. Hopelessly confused. So, what he'll try to do for the believer is to get you back into confusion again. Who was confused before you were a believer? Or who has walked away from God and gotten into confusion at times? Anybody. And who is thankful that God broke the bondage of confusion and gave you some clarity again? Who used to think some stupid things about God and some stupid things about the way he looked at you and looked at other people and the way his love works and, you know, God's love, but he doesn't love me, right? But we think, all, you know, all these things are real. These are, these are thoughts, and it's because there is a flesh and there is a spirit. And the Bible says here in James chapter 1, James 1 says, Let, verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. We don't need God to tempt us. There is a flesh within us. And, you know, God gave us, some people argue, we don't have free will, we're just robots. It doesn't seem to make sense to me when I read the word from cover to cover, but, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not here to argue with those theologies. I just want to say that the Bible says God doesn't tempt, but there is a temptation, which means I obviously have a choice in the matter. So it says God cannot be, t- be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But verse 14, each one is tempted when he or she is drawn away by their own desires and enticed. Every single person on the earth is a flesh and is spirit. Their flesh is either held captive under their Spirit, like a Christian, I said that right, right? Their flesh is held captive under their spirit. That's what Christians are. We have taken our flesh and we bring them in and bring them captive, the thoughts captive. I have taken my flesh and I and I, I've seen it I've seen it spiritually as like this dead man that's got his you know, he's got his hand on my Achilles heel and he's dragging, he's trying to follow me. He's not gonna win. Follows me every once in a while, you know, he perks up and he wins in traffic, like we've said, right? But that thing's a dead thing. Now, the world is letting the spirit, the flesh is ruling, and the spirit is desperately, the, the, the Holy Spirit is wooing their spirit desperately, knocking on their hearts their whole life, every circumstance, every experience. When something happens traumatic, when someone dies, the Holy Spirit is constantly trying to get their spirit to submit to him and realize, hey, this is a broken world, this, this is not it, and get their flesh, to submit to their spirit man. But you need to understand that even when we've been redeemed, we are flesh and spirit. Does that make sense? And that you have choices. And what happens, the Bible says in the book of James, and this is New Testament, this is post-Christ. Everybody say post the cross. Right? This is post-redemption. This is post the falling of the Holy Spirit upon us. The The Bible says in James, we have the Holy Spirit, we're free, we've been covered in the blood. James talking to the church, not talking to the world, talking to us, and he says, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that if you listen to your desires, and this is what the enemy did. The enemy got Eve into her own understanding, into her desires. The Bible says she looked, she saw, she desired. Once he got her there, And into her desires, she was enticed. And then the Bible says, verse 15, once desire conceives, this is New King James, once desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And this is the process. What happened? Adam and Eve died that day. Do you realize that? They died. Now, it took a thousand years because God's outside of time. But you ready for this? This is that revelation stuff. You ready for this? They actually died that day. And here's why. They never made it past the thousand year mark. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years. The day their eyes were opened, they died. Now, in our time, it was 900 and something years. Adam lived and Eve lived. But the day that they sinned, they died in the spirit. Does that make sense? Nobody's nodding. Nobody believes me. (laughs) What happens is, if you listen to your desires, and I want, see, we think of desire as like, oh, desire. Like we write the word desire in red. It's lust. Desire is not just lust. Desire is anything that I want. You ready for this? Anything that I think or want or perceive that is opposite to God's word. It's as simple as that. This is what God's word says. And then as soon as you say, well, here's what I think. Don't you hate that when people have a conversation about God and you go, this is what I think. I, want I just smile at them in my mind and going, I don't care what you think. <laughs> I could care less what you think. Unless you're going to give me his word. Then I'm going to listen very intently. But as soon as you say, Here's what I think, and his word just goes out the window, I'll be nice to them and kind to them like Christ has, has told me to be. But I'm not going to let your junk get into my head. I'll listen politely. You're not going to know that, that I don't, because I love you, but I'm not letting your words slime me. I think Jesus is this. I think he was a good man. I think he was a prophet. He just wasn't the son of God. That's what Satan did to Muhammad. You realize that? 700 A.D. A lot of people don't realize, they think, you know, that Islam is the same time as Christianity. This is the history. You ready for this? If you don't know it already. 700 years after Christ, an angel comes. Remember Paul warned? Paul said, even if an angel comes and preaches a different doctrine, don't listen to him. Well, Muhammad wasn't listening. But Muhammad loved the Bible. He did. And he he knew the Bible. And an angel said, hey... The Bible's close, but I'm going to help you correct its errors. And one of the errors is Jesus was a prophet but he wasn't the son of God. And what happened is literally from one person, I mean the same thing happened Joseph Smith, right? And go down the list of all the other weird, you know, false religions that sparked off of Christianity. People don't realize that Islam, I mean they would be very offended at me right now, but that the Muslim faith actually branched off from Christianity. That's because the enemy got him into his thinking, into his desires. And the Bible says when that happens, it's a process. Everybody say it's a process, right? But there's a, I was thinking about this, you know, conception is actually really gross because when the devil gets you to believe his thinking, he has conceived inside you. Isn't that gross? But we should be grossed out by that because that's exactly how gross it is to God. When his words and his concepts, when you let them in, you are a woman receiving his seed. That's what the Bible says. It has there is a conception that has happened, and then that thing gives birth. Listen, when they ask the question, you know, to a murderer, what made you murder? Well, one day I hated. Then I murdered. Some things happened, and you know what, a lot of, uh, I, I think I just brought this up recently, Elijah listens to some of these things sometimes. He likes, he was thinking about being a detective, and he, was, he likes to understand why the criminal became a criminal. Break it down, what's actually happening. He, he likes the psychology of like, what happens? And you know when he told me what always happens is, you know, something was done to them as a child. It's pretty common, like almost always. And what happened is, is and <laughs> I was just having a conversation about this. The Bible is true, it's truth, it's truth, it's truth. Let's just say that out loud. The Bible is truth. The Bible is truth. You know, we don't have to like it. We don't have to to believe all its nuances. We just have to believe that it's true. Before we say, I I believe it because I understand it, I'm just going to say, I believe it because it's truth. You have to come to that place, because I was just saying this. The Bible says when someone curses you, pray for them. Bless bless them, right? When they hurt you, pray for them. If they ask something of you, give them double what they've asked of you. They slap you, give the other cheek. Now, as hard as it possibly is for that child to forgive that's exactly what needed to happen, because you cannot, the Bible is truth, So the devil let, even something that was unjustly done, but the devil caused that to become a seed within them. And it was a seed of hatred. In fact, you know, most of those murderers, this is what's crazy, is they are not actually murdering that person, they're murdering the person they hate. You know, that's why like serial killers, they pick a particular person, the same hair or, you know, job. It's usually that's like who their mother was or something weird like that. But that's what happened is there was a seed inside of them that was allowed to grow. And this is what the enemy is trying to plant in this time. He's trying to plant seeds in Christianity, in the church, trying to plant his doctrines. And a lot of them have even taken root already. One of the seeds that he has planted in the modern church is that you will win more people if you take away some of the Jesus stuff. That was a seed that he planted. And you know what? The guy who first did it and said, if we make it more like a coffee shop and we get rid of the cross, more people come and they're like, whoa, this actually works. As soon as he got Eve to look and perceive, and then she made some judgment calls in her own instead of just listening to the word, which is that if they hated me, they're going to hate you. How about that? We should put that out there on a sign. Keep, I know we keep talking about a sign. We should put a sign out there with a big cross and says, "If they hated me, they'll hate you." That'll that'll bring people in. <laughs> but that's the gospel. We're trying to win people through this fake kind of like, you know, winning them and giving people iPads, and you know, all that we're doing is we're winning people into some other church, some other doctrine, some other gospel. It's not Jesus. It's not the cross anymore. It's not the blood. It's not repentance. What are we doing? We're just attracting crowds. You know, uh, a Jay-Z concert attracts crowds, too. Just because some people say, well, they must be doing something right, because look at the size of their church, look at the size of the crowd. I'm not knocking big churches, because that's not the point. Jesus had big crowds, too, and obviously he was speaking the truth. But just because you see a crowd doesn't mean that's truth. In contrast, just because you see a little church doesn't mean that, okay, they're holy, because they're little. All right, that's not what I'm trying to say. But what happens is, is that seed goes inside And eventually conception happens, it begins to give birth, becomes sin. Now, this is what's amazing. Don't you love, don't you love our God? Aren't we so incredibly thankful for his grace and his mercy and his love towards us? The Bible doesn't say that sin is what kills you. The Bible says when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. Aren't we thankful that even in sin, right? Even in sin, we can actually repent. Until that moment of death, we have repentance all the way. Through this entire process, we can turn back. Aren't you thankful that until it kills you, we have the ability to turn back at any moment. The Bible says in James 1, goes into verse 21. Now, that is not us. Let's just say that out loud. That's not us. We're not letting the enemy put his seeds inside of us. Now, it starts like this. <laughs> wow, I'm sorry. Sometimes I laugh, and you guys are like, What's he laughing at? Thinking of like 50 things at once. It starts with a simple thought, a simple word. Someone says something, and uh, Dawn and I call it getting slimed. We've called this before. Someone says something, it just seems passing. They give a dig, but you don't know it's a dig yet. You smile back, you're driving. Next day goes by, Wait a second. Wait a second. That was a total dig. Wait a second, that wasn't good, what they said to me. I'm slimed right now. And what happens is, then that thought, if you don't deal with it. I was just telling Jeannie, like, just this week, I was like, hey, you know, like, I was thinking about this something that someone said to me, and I all of a sudden, though, it starts growing. That thing was con- That thing was conceiving, it was growing, it was actually starting to sprout. Some arms and legs were starting to grow inside me. No, but seriously. Now all of a sudden, I'm like, who do they think they are? I'll tell you a thing or two. Tell me. And what you need to do at that exact moment is you need to humble yourself, it says verse 21. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your heart. See, because... God's Word. We talked about this some time ago, and it's it's, my time is ticking, so I'm going to be kind here. So in Hebrews, I'll just bring it up because we don't have time to go and do a big giant study, but Hebrews, right, says that the Word of God, it divides between soul and spirit. It's the discerner between thoughts and intents of the heart. You take the Word of God and see, what happens is, if you will do what the Word says before you want to do it, before you fully believe it, and before you really experience the freedom of it, if you just do what the Word says before you feel it, what you need to do in that moment is say, the Word says love, the Word says forgive, the Word says grace, the Word says mercy, and you take all of that, because that's the Word. That's been planted in my heart as well. And I take these words, and I Put the two together, and all of a sudden, the Word of God says, that's toxic. I don't know that yet, because I haven't brought it alongside the Word of God yet. You're just riding in your own mind, starting to get angrier and angrier. Wait a second. And then I bring it to to the Word of God, because, and again, just for time, I'm just going to kind of speed here, but we're spending time with God. You don't spend time with God. You don't spend time in His Word. What happens is this is why accountability is so important. This is why prayer time and worship time and church time and word time is so important because what happens is you leave yourself on your own. And those think one day you turn out to be a crazy person. That's where it goes. You end up being this whack really really wacky Christian or not Christian at all anymore. But if I bring it against the word of God, and really especially like sharing those things, sharing them with people, like, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. And then if, and with people that know the word, and then they'll give you the word. And then when you hear the word and you go, whoa, you're right. And the word is forgive, love, grace, mercy. And what happens is you need to do this you need to say, Lord, bless them. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, let me try that one more time. Lord, bless them. Okay, here, it's coming. It's coming. Lord, bless them. I just pray for them. Love them, Lord God. Give mercy to them. Not, Lord, one day just show them the truth, just show them how wrong they are. <laughs> no, Lord, just bless them. Lord, I just pray. I pray for them and just bless them, Lord God. Just I pray you just love them. Give them mercy, Lord. And what happens is, the Word of God now is actually doing a work, and this is just for these next few minutes. The Bible says, verse 22, Don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. See now the listening, the hearing, this is how it happens. Here's how I get the word. I listen. That's the seed God's planted. Now, supernaturally, all you heard was, Do you want to go to hell or want you want to go to heaven? You know what I mean? Like that might have been the God, that might have been the sermon you heard. But it was a seed that was planted in your heart. And what I do now as a believer is I continue to keep hearing. It keeps building and building and building and building and building upon that. Right now it's like, I don't care about heaven or hell and it's not that's not what I'm thinking about anymore. I'm secure. I'm in I'm heading towards her. He's preparing a place for me. He's got he's got that place secure in heaven and my things are secure there. That's not my focus anymore. I know that. My focus is, Lord, what do you have for me on the earth and get this filth out of me and I don't want to be this old person and I want to love you and I want to love them. And that's only happened because I've continued on this journey. And this is what I'm trying to get to today is that wishy-washy Christianity is because we get our eyes off of the truth of the Word, the simplicity of the Word, and we begin to perceive and begin to think and begin to make decisions based on our own feelings and perceptions. And as soon as you do that, you are instantly off, and it's just a matter of time before shipwreck. And that's why the time that we're coming into, it's going to be challenged more and more and more and more and more, because here's what the Bible says. It says, don't just hear it, but do it, right? Not just hearers, but doers of the Word, it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. If I don't take that word, which is planted inside my heart, if I think that I can be a believer and I can let the devil's slime grow in me and then call myself a believer, what did Jesus say? I think it was Jesus who said it. The Bible says, Do not have." we cannot have a well of fresh water, a spring of fresh water, and bitter water coming out of the same well. It says you're fooling yourselves. Now, the devil snuck into the church, and he says, now listen, you're not perfect. That sounds good, doesn't it? I'm not, per- I'm not Jesus. Who said this in anger? Well, you know what? Well, then sue me. I'm not Jesus. Right? You do something wrong, and our justification is, I'm not Jesus. Well, that's funny, because the Bible says, not I who is, but Christ who lives in me. Instead, we should say, you know what, forgive me. Whoa, that would be really crazy. I'm wrong. And you're right, Christ is living in me. I shouldn't talk like that or think like that. We need to be that quick. That's the time we're coming into. We will not have time. It'll be very rapid now. Things are going to go quicker and quicker. The conception to sin to death is going to be quick. Decisions are going to have to be made much faster, which means I need to know the language. Going back to the very beginning of the sermon, right? We need to know the language of the word. We need to respond very quickly to the enemy, just quickly as he speaks his lies. We just respond the word, and that's it. I'm not having an argument. This is what the word says. The Bible says, if you look carefully, verse 25, into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Just for time, I want to read this. I know we know this very well, but I want to read this. Um, It's from Matthew. It's about the, you know, the the seeds that are sown in our hearts, and I just want to read this story, and I'll I'll close with this, because it says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, it says that Jesus told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. He said, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and they ate them. And other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seeds sprouted because, quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants. Verse 8, still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Now, many times this has been preached for the last 50 years as an offering sermon, which is not true. This is about God's word in our hearts. It has nothing to do with money or your offering. Verse 19, the seed that fell on the footpath, he says, represents those who hear. Everybody, I want you to grab your ear. Come on, let's just get a visual here. All right, it says that there. Everybody hears. Everybody say. Everyone hears. Uh, I because I believe the word, and because I know my God, there is no one who stands before the great white throne of judgment who can honestly say I didn't hear. If they're in the Amazon jungle, I mean this. Here's you want to know what I think. So I said before, be warned about. So now we know I'm in an opinion zone. So we need to shelf this. You need to say, I don't care what you think. I'm so confident that God's word and his grace and mercy is so, he is, God is just, right? Devil's not fair, but God is just. Somehow, some way, I don't know if they're dying and they get a vision from Jesus, but somehow it is not, there is no one on earth that is not going to get the same opportunity that we have all had. And now people have used that as like, well, Christianity versus other religions, and it doesn't make sense as an argument. Here's what I always say. Forget the Amazon jungle for a moment. You in this room have no excuse. Too late. I just told you. Right? When you're sharing that with someone on the street, aren't they just proving the point? They're like, well, what about the people who haven't heard? You are literally hearing it right now. And then the argument is, well, why'd you tell me? I would have rather not known now you know your heart's way off you're like i would have rather not known because i don't want to i don't want to do what you just told me but the bible says that they all hear they all hear the word is being preached it has been preached and i don't know if they were five years old and they went to one they went to one of those you know uh summer uh, what do we call those back in the day Those. You have vacation Bible schools. You attract the whole community in. You know, most of those murderers, including Marilyn Manson, did you know that he was in a youth group? You know he grew up Christian? You know that his youth group hurt him. He wasn't a good-looking guy, I guess. I'm not saying that. I'm just, this is what his story is. And so he got made fun of, and he got hurt, and he said, fine, I'll worship the devil. That's the truth. You can go Google that yourself. That's the story. Christian family, Christian youth group, got hurt. And now, obviously, like, if I was, everybody knows who Marilyn Manson is. I don't think you guys need a description of who he is. And it's, he heard, but here's what happens. It says, we all hear. We all have ears. We don't all have ears to hear. We all have ears, and we all hear, but we do not all hear. Figure that out. See, that's where the world's like, I don't understand. But we understand. It makes complete sense to you, right? But that's gibberish. I just spoke Spanish to American English crowd. Right? But we understand because I don't know the language. Anyway, very quickly. So the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and he snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me that the seed was planted in their hearts? That as soon as they hear the gospel, you know that God is trying to plant his seed in our hearts, just like Satan is. Right from the very beginning, Satan is speaking lies. It's all around you. It's on billboards. It's on commercials on YouTube, like I've been talking about and ranting about. It's, his lies are everywhere. But don't be fooled that God's word is not also everywhere. There's literally a church on every single street corner, almost across the entire world. Don't say that God's gospel, that people have not had a chance. It is it is pounding through the airwaves. YouTube is just as flooded with church stuff as it is with other stuff. It is out there. There there is no excuse for anyone. They're not going to be able to stand there and say, "I had I don't I I'm, I'm, I didn't have a chance." Yes, they have. We've all had a chance. But as mature Christians, what I want us to get today, and this is where I'm going to get to right now, I promise. We're not those that just don't understand, but it says the seed that fell on rocky soil represents to hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, this is surface, we call this surface Christians, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So God's word did get planted, it did take root, but as soon as they said, you know what? I don't really like what's going on, someone told me Christianity would be easy, and this was my ticket on the yellow brick road, and it's not what I thought, and they're gone. But the Bible says, verse 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who, you know, this is a little bit deeper, so now we're talking about the depth, we're talking right on the surface, a little bit deeper, shallow roots, and now thorns. Now, this is where it actually got planted, and this is where Christians, this is where Eve got into. This is where we have to be the most careful of as real Christians. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's words, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. This is the one. This is the Christian. This is the church, all right? We have the world. We have the, you know, the the once a year outreach programs that churches would do sometimes and and, on street ministry stuff where, yeah, I believe it. And then they have problems and, oh, that's right. I believe that once. And then we have the church. And this is where the enemy will try the thorns and the crowding, the lure of wealth. This is the thing. The Lord is calling us. To produce fruit. That's what we are meant to do. The seed he planted in us is to produce fruit. What does God do? Dawn just talked about it this week, that even Jesus was hangry. Do you know that Jesus got hangry? Anybody know what that word means? Everybody here? Right, hungry and angry mixed, called hangry. He looked at the fig tree and it didn't produce fruit, so he cursed it to its root. God is not pleased with his seed, that does not produce fruit, and this is a time, so you can go for a while, because maybe we just haven't sprouted yet, but we don't have time for that any longer. We need to get in there with a brush cutter, and we need to take the enemy's seeds that have been planted. They're thorns. They hurt. They're painful. They're hard to get through. I told you last week, I literally got I was out in the woods and I got caught in these chest-high thorns and it was as far as I could see. I don't know how I got in it, but I had to get out of it. Justin knows what I'm talking about and it is the most frustrating. You can get yourself flustered quick. You go to zero to 60 in about one second. <laughs> It is meant to bind you, to confuse you, to get your head spinning, and all of a sudden now you're going to start trying to make perceptions and decisions all based on your flesh and feelings and emotions. And we just need to cut his seed, we need to cut his, we need to curse his seeds to the root. I will not believe these lies anymore. I'm not going to do this and do that, that you want me to do. That's not what the word says. It doesn't feel comfortable. I don't like loving. I don't like forgiving. I don't like giving, Lord, a portion of my money every single week. I said it was not an offering sermon, but that's, that's relevant. Not about to, you give it to another church if you don't believe me today. I don't like, Lord God, I don't like having to do what your word says sometimes because it irritates my flesh. But the Bible says that the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear, everybody say, Truly hear. See, here's the distinction. There's a hearing, and then there's a truly hearing. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they heard the words out of Jesus' mouth, just like the rest did, but they didn't truly hear. And it's a time that we must truly hear the word. And what happens is, the Bible says that when that happens, you can't help it. You don't have to try to love. You don't have to try to produce fruit. You will do what the word is planted in you to do. It will just sprout up out of you. And many of us here today, I just wanted to encourage us and challenge us that the enemy maybe has some a couple of thorns. that are And, and, the, and, and he used to have a, a lifetime to maybe deal with those things. We do not have time because the enemy is trying to take down this church in this last hour quickly. I need to get that brush cutter out. It's called, I think, a billy goat. I've used them before, and they just mow through everything. Just kill it. You just need to kill all that junk, all those thoughts, all those feelings, and that's painful, because you know it's still planted in you. It's still, it's a part of you. It was never meant to be a part of you, but your bitterness and your hurts and those things inside you are a part of you now, so to deal with them is painful. But when you do, suddenly that will be opened up to the sun, the nutrients that's been trying to get through to the word, suddenly you're like, man, I don't feel like praying. I just want to do this. And suddenly you feel like you want to pray. You don't have to try to produce fruit. It will come out of you. Amen. All right, Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you. We love you, Lord God. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life of your word. Lord, I pray that it does a mighty work within us. Lord, just as I've even preached today, that Lord, let this word, Your word that's been spoken this morning, I pray that it would be like seed in our hearts, Lord. Let it grow today and produce a fruit, Lord, that is 30, 60, and 100-fold, Lord God. I pray that this little bit of time that we've spent together, Lord, that what comes out of our mouth, Lord, in professing your word and its truth would be way beyond the little bit of seed that was planted in us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.